You know, uh, Finding Nemo is just an amazing, amazing uh, flick, and it? it's an incredible uh, picture, a Pixar uh, movie that shows about the importance of, of family, the importance of friendship, the importance of perseverance. But when you look at it, it really also talks a lot about, about God and about us, and maybe that's not what they intended, but also a, a, about temptation, isn't it? I mean, that was something uh, Nemo's dad at the start said, don't go into the open sea. Also, he also said, don't touch the, the, the boat. And, uh, and Nemo didn't understand that his, it was all because of his dad's love. It was because of his dad's concern for him. And, and Nemo goes ahead and, and, and does that. And we're, you know, we're in a, a study, to, at the very end of a study that we've been taking a look at with, uh, with uh, spiritual warfare and also on temptation. And so, uh, so what we're going to take a look at is just today is how, kind of, how Nemo applies to all that. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about uh, a knife, then a gun, then a tank, then a bomb. Okay? What, what's, what's unique about those things? I mean, what, what's the progression? Each one of those gets a little more influential, right? Every, every one of those gets a little more powerful, a little stronger. And I'm going to take a look at four motivations today that we're going to look at from that. Four motivations and see how each one of these is stronger than the other. Each one of these is more important as we go through temptation. And, and you'll find as we really look at this, something that we're going to uh, see is, is this, that if we really understand these, that we're going to be able to, to really apply that to to uh, overcoming and finding victory in temptation that we never dreamed uh, that we never dreamed possible. And the first motivation of why sometimes we stay away from things, from doing things we shouldn't do, including you know temptations in our life, uh, is because of fear. There's the fear that we're going to get caught. There's the fear that we're going to get in, in, in trouble. There's the fear that something bad is going to happen to us. That we're going to be punished by by God or by the law or by by somebody else. Or and that's the reason you know that we 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 make sure that we we don't break curfew because we're afraid we're going to be uh, grounded. We don't steal something because we're afraid we're going to get caught. We don't, you know, we don't cheat because we're afraid we're going to get expelled. Things like that. So we just, we just have these, these fears. And, and you know what? That's better than falling for it, isn't it? That's better than, than doing the wrong thing. But, but think about the, you know, that, that's, that's maybe not the best motivation for us to, to stay away from things. There's another motivation, and, uh, and, and that, is, that is duty. We do things because we need to do it or we're supposed to do it, or it's required of us to, uh, to do. That's sometimes why we do the reports, why we do the, you know, in, in, in work, why we show up for work, why we do the chores, why we do anything like that. We're supposed to do it. And I've thought about, you know, mowing the lawn as a, as a kid. I, that was part of my chores. Uh, but one thing about it, and I mean, one thing about doing things for duty is you realize that a lot of times, maybe even most of the time, you do it begrudgingly, don't you? You do it because you just have to. And like, like mowing the lawn, I never went out there for... <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so one of the big reasons we're, uh, we, we do things is just because we have to. And, and I never mowed the lawn for most of, my, most of my life because I wanted to do it every time I was out there doing it, but I didn't want to do it. And sometimes, again, that's better than not doing it. That's better than staying away or, or getting hurt or not doing the, uh, the things that we're supposed to do or doing the things we're supposed to, uh, not supposed to do. But here's the thing, too. It's also understanding is a big one. That's the, that's the third one. And this is the thing. We do it because we understand why we should do it. 
or we understand the heart of the person that's telling us to, uh, to, to do that or to, to not to do that. And, you know, anytime for in, that ha- any parent in here, you realize something, that when you deal with a child at, at the start, when they're young, you, you don't have to explain why you want them to do that because they wouldn't understand it. You, all they know at that age is no, don't, stop, yes, things like that. That's all they know is just the commands. They don't understand. And, and sometimes it may seem very unreasonable to them why mom or dad wants them to do it, not, not to touch the stove or not to go play in the street, right? But then after a while, they grow up and they start to realize maybe some of the reasons that mom or dad don't want them to do that. They, they get burned and, and they go put two and two together and go, oh man, just like I got burned here, if I touch that stove, that's why mom doesn't want me to do that. Or they see a dead animal in the middle of the road and go, whoa, 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 if I'm playing in the road, maybe that same thing could happen to me. And they start putting two and two together and go, maybe mom and dad aren't crazy. Maybe they have the best, my best interest at, at mine. And the same thing with, uh, with, with Nemo at the start. He didn't understand. He didn't understand why dad was telling him to stay away from the boat. Didn't, but, but, then, but then pretty soon he began to, to realize, okay, dad had his, my best interest in mind. When he found himself in an aquarium in Sydney, Australia, he was realizing my, dad wasn't trying to be mean to me. Dad was trying to keep me and protect me from, uh, from things. And that's really a game changer. When we understand that God says, when he says don't, what he's really saying is, is don't get hurt. Don't get hurt because any command that God gives us, anything that he tells us to stay away from, it's for our good and for the good of other people. Every commandment, if we break that commandment, either we will get hurt or somebody else will get hurt. I mean, you could take a look at even the 10 commandments and obviously like don't steal or don't kill or don't commit adultery. That's not a hard one. We understand that. But every single one of them, even, even like, like uh, you'll have no other gods before me. I mean, the reason he says that is because if we put our trust in anything else but God, we're going to be doomed to disappointment, aren't we? Because everything else except for God will let us down, no matter how much they love us or care about us. Every person and everything will eventually let us down besides God, and God doesn't want us to get hurt. So that's why he tells us to, to, to do that. Maybe even something, something like don't, don't covet. I mean, we think, what's wrong with, you know, wanting what belongs to somebody else? But when we covet, what it does for us, it brings jealousy in our heart. And it also brings un, a, a, an ingratitude in our heart. And we're not, we're not happy for the things that we have. And, and we're discontent. And you think about this. Have you ever known a happy person, a jealous happy person? Or a discontent happy person? Or, or somebody that, that's, that's an ungrateful happy person? So God wants to protect us from that. Every single one of the commandments. And when we understand that, then it's easier for us to, to to say no to some of the temptation in our, uh, in our, our life. Also, in another aha moment is when we realize that, that sin just isn't worth it. I mean, think of it, there's, you know, there's, there's times when we, when we grow up and we've, we've tasted and we've, we've, we've felt what the, the sting of the, of the hook inside. And we know that and we go, you know what, this just isn't worth it in, in life. What, because here's the one thing that, that Nemo understood. If we could interview him afterwards, He'd be able to say, you know what, it looks so, you know, it looks so fun, it looks so everything, touching the, touching the boat, but man, it wasn't worth it. He could go on, on tour, couldn't he, on fish tour around the, around the ocean saying, it's not worth it. If, if your dad says, don't touch the boat, don't touch the boat, I touched the boat and it, you know, it, it brought me a whole lot of pain and suffering. And I think in my own life, I'm, I, I was thinking back and thinking, there is, there is not one time that I said no to a temptation that I was not, that I was not thankful for. You know, that eventually I was going, because it, even, if, even if I didn't understand it at the time, just that feeling of, ah, I did the right thing. Nothing can take that away, can it? Is there a greater feeling in the world than you had a choice between good and bad, and you chose good, and you're just going, whew, I did the right thing. But on the, on the other side, 
I, I can't think of one time I ever said yes to a temptation that I was ever thankful for it. I can't think of one time that it didn't, and even, even if things worked out, even if it didn't, things, just that feeling, is there a worse feeling in the world than just to know you dishonored God, disobeyed God, you did the wrong thing, just that yuck inside. And if you don't have that yuck, that's when we, get to, we should be scared. If you're about to do something and you don't feel a conviction of the Holy Spirit before you do that, a smoke alarm's going off, then there's a problem there. Or if you have, you know, if you've done something and you don't feel the conviction of the Spirit going, oh man, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's when we get, you know, that's when there's, there's really a problem. When I remember when I first started to play guitar, man, it hurt so bad the first time I started to play because my fingers weren't used to that but after a while it didn't hurt anymore and pretty soon I couldn't feel anything when I was touching touching something and and Jesus talked about having a calloused heart and if we're not feeling the conviction of the spirit man we have a calloused heart and we really need to 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 seek what that is a what that's about but here's the here's the thing you know so many of us we could we could have a testimony time here all day of just for for older and wiser fish right who've gone through it and have done something and have messed up and have blown it, and we could say, it's not worth it. That hook is not worth it. Because here's what we know about sin. Here's what we know about sin. It will always take us further than we were willing to go. It will keep us there longer than we were willing to, to stay, and it will cost us more than we were willing to pay, doesn't it? I mean, every single one of us can, uh, can testify to, uh, to, to that. But here's something, too. You know, look, looking at the very first temptation, and what you have is, is, is you, have, uh, you have Adam and Eve in paradise. I don't mean it's good. I don't mean it's nice. I don't mean it's wonderful. I mean, it's paradise. They have no problems. They have no issues. They have no anything. And God says, look at all the trees. Look at all this. You can, you can eat from any one of them. Any one of them. Just don't eat from one. Because here's the reason. I love you and I care about you. And if you do that, you're going to die spiritually. That's the one thing. You got all this. Stay away from just one thing. Okay? And here comes, and, and, and there was no reason in their heart to doubt the heart of God in any way, shape, or form. They've never, they've never experienced anything but goodness from God. And here comes Satan along for, with the first temptation, and he says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And if she, think of this, if she would have said... Uh, well, I mean, anyway, the, the, uh, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And listen to this, and you must not touch it or you will die. Wait, 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 back the truck up. Did, she, did he say anything about touching it? So obviously this is already beginning to seek in her heart that maybe God isn't wanting the best for me. Maybe God is holding out on me. And then he goes, Satan goes blatantly and tell her you can't trust God. Here's what he says. You will surely, you will not surely die. I mean, he is calling God a liar. Who's the liar, right? The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of your, uh, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God doesn't want you doing that because he doesn't want you to enjoy things. He's holding out on you. He's a, he's a cosmic killjoy. Don't you know that? He's a cosmic party pooper. And that's why you can trust me, but you can't trust, trust him. And doesn't he do the exact same thing today? Isn't he always, I mean, take, we could do any issue. How about the issue of, of sex? In our society, what would, what would Satan want us to believe about God's view of sex in our society? Wouldn't, you want, wouldn't he want him to go that God is a prude, that God is against sex, that God hates that, that God is just... And think about it. Who created it, right? Who made it? And God could have just made it and he could make it just for procreation, but he made it fun and he made it hot and he made it spicy and he made it all that, right? 
I mean, God is making, and, and, and so Satan is making it look like God's the party pooper. God's saying, and, and, but he's saying this. He said, one thing, just like in the garden. You can have, man, have fun, do this. One thing, keep it in the bonds of marriage. It's the one thing we ask. One thing I ask of that, keep it in the bonds of marriage. And you know that weird, God's not being this, he's being so inclusive, but just saying, because it's like this, it's like right now, I I went to, I was in my house the other day, and I was looking at the fireplace, and the designers of that fireplace made it where fire is used only in one place in my house, And, and I'm thinking, well, that's really, you know, that's really, you know, you know, inclusive, just why, why just there, why can't I put it anywhere else, but the difference between, if it's there, it makes me warm. It makes me happy. It warms the whole house, everything. But if I move that same fire out of where it's supposed to be, that same fire can burn down the house, right? It can be destructive instead of productive. Instead of wonderful, it can be, it can be horrible if it's not used in the way that, that the designer created it to, to be. And the same thing with, uh, with, with, uh, with sexes as well. And, and something too. But here's the other uh, the motivation. So we have fear. We have duty. We have, uh, we have also the uh, understanding, but, uh, but also there's, there's love. And may I, may I suggest that the greatest motivation in this world is, is love. I mean, moms, you know that so much. You're, you're the poster children for that. Because think, think about it, that if you, there was a job description saying that you would have to endure pain beyond description where you're screaming for drugs and you're telling your husband, you know, things about his lineage, right? And you're screaming that out. And, and then you have to go where you, where you wake up all through the night and you're in sleep deprivation and, and you're having to, to change dirty diapers and you're at the, the, the beck and call 24-7 to this little thing. If that was a job for no money whatsoever, if that was a job description, there is no way you would do that. But you do it for love, you know, every, every day as, as, a, as, a, as a mom. And in the same way, you know, what happens if we really believe that God's best intention was for us and we believe the heart of God and we in turn showed him uh, love as well. Several years ago, Ashley and I had the opportunity to to take a class here at the church on parenting. I guess we were just two or three years into into being parents and uh, the the church offered a a class called Loving Your Kids on Purpose. And and so we decided to take advantage of the class and um, kind of to my surprise within the first couple of weeks of the class um, you, you get a real keen sense of the uh, one of the the major themes or major premises of the study is is uh, parenting your kids or uh, or fathering and mothering your your kids um, kind of the way God fathers us and um, and one of the major themes of the study is is um, to create a heart connection with your with your children and it kind of goes into specifically how you create this this heart connection with your kids and how Creating a heart connection is is kind of the basis of the foundation for um, for so many so many of the things that are so difficult in parenting, including you know getting getting your kids to to be obedient and getting your kids to, to listen to you, and, um, and and just to work through so many of the behavioral challenges that, that parents work through with their kids as they're they're growing and developing, and um, and so I, I love that premise. I love I love just learning about and, and and focusing on the way that God fathers us, the way that God parents us, and creating that heart connection. But anyway, a few weeks into that study, I, um, I realized, um, looking back over my life, um, how good a job my mom had done at creating a heart connection with me. And I, and I look back, you know, at probably, you know, the, the hardest years of my life or, or the, you know, the, the probably the most challenging years of, of my mother's life in, in parenting me during my teen years when I was, you know, kind of at the, at the, the threshold of making some of the worst choices of my life. And um, I realized that my mom did a really, really great job 
of creating a heart connection with me. My mom was super intentional about about us spending time together, about about us, you know, carving out special occasions and just just doing things together that that just fostered and grew our relationship. And so when I entered the teen years and and uh, and again was kind of at the at the at the start of, you know, some of the worst choices of my life, I realized looking back now that that uh, even though I was making bad choices, there was always kind of this invisible line, this 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 boundary that I wouldn't cross. It was like there were certain things that even even close friends of mine, people in my 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 realm of friends, my my closest friends, my closest peers would do things that they would do, choices they would make, that I was just like, ah, I can't quite go that far. And I realized that the boundary, that invisible line for me, was. The, the thought or the notion that if I did this thing, if I crossed this line, it would crush my mother's heart. It would break my mom's heart. And so, uh, you know, kind of subconsciously, unconsciously, I, I realized that, that that heart connection that my mom and I had created this boundary for me and just kept me from going way, way off the deep end. Again, made plenty of bad choices during, during those years, but, but I look back and I go, my gosh, the choices, the choices always had a limitation. There was always a cap on, on how far I would, I would take certain, certain bad choices because I didn't want to break my mom's heart. And I realized, you know, that's, that's kind of the heart connection that's available to us with God as well. You know, God wants to have a heart-to-heart connection with His children, with all of us, and and when we have that connection with our Father in Heaven, it, does, it creates a boundary. It creates, it creates a safety net for us because um, we, we don't want to break our Father's heart just like I didn't want to break my mom's heart. I'm going to read three passages of Scripture that I bet you've never heard when it comes to temptation. Uh, but maybe these hold the key to the whole thing. Verses uh, Titus, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and women. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is it, according to this passage, that teaches us to, to say no to temptation? Is it fear? Is it duty? It's grace. It's love. Romans 2, 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Again, what's going to turn us from our sin? Is it duty? Is it fear of him, fear of retribution? Or is it just realizing, God, you've been so amazingly good to me. And in result, as a response to that, I want to, I want to do what you say. Because also, I trust your heart. And how about this? For the love, for Christ's love compels us. The message says, for Christ's love moves me to do what I'm supposed to, uh, to do. Again, what is the, what's the thing that moves us to do what we're supposed to do? Is it fear? It's, um, it's love. And I want you to know that I, I struggle with temptation just like you do. I blow it just like you do. But something I have found over the years, I guarantee you this is, is a stronger motivation for me than, than fear or than just doing it because I'm supposed to do it, is realizing that God loves me and I, and, and I in honor of him and in love to him, that's, the, that's a much more powerful deterrent, just like Bobby was saying, just knowing, the, knowing and understanding the Father's, the Father's heart. And also... Another is not relying just on my own, uh, my own self-control. 
but realizing that God has a power within me to, to, to help me to say yes to the things I should say yes to and no to the things I should say no to. And I'll probably yet never use an, an illustration of Greek mythology to, to do a biblical point again, but, but there was a story about the, the sirens. And remember the sirens? The sirens are those, those ladies that would sing and they would, they would lure the people into the, the men as they're, as they're sailing and they'd get a little too close to the shore, and they, but they couldn't, they couldn't keep away from that, that lovely music and they'd, they'd wreck on the, on the shores. But then you had, you had Odysseus. He was one of, there's two people that made it through. And, and watch how they did it in different ways. One was Odysseus. And what he did is he, is he poured molten wax in his, uh, in his sailor's ears and wrapped their head and then strapped himself to the, to the mast and screamed at the top of his lungs when, uh, when, they were, when, the, when the sirens were, were beckoning. And it got him to the other side. And that's better than, better than not getting to the other side and better than having everything wrecked. But then there was, then there was Jason. And Jason hired the ma- a magic lute player. And here's the thing, that it was, a, it was a more beautiful song on the inside of the boat than there was on the outside of the boat. And when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we just fall in love with Jesus Christ, suddenly there's a beautiful, more beautiful thing on the inside than there is on the outside. And when you're filled with filet mignon on the inside, you don't go looking for green bologna, right? And that doesn't mean, you can quote me on that if you want to. And, and that doesn't mean we're never going to be tempted again. And that doesn't mean we never struggle with temptation again. But it does, does mean, man, when there's a sweeter song on the inside and go, you know, this thing is that God's been good to me, that God is, lo- you know, that I, and I, out of love for God and honor for God, I want to, to do the right thing. It can be the most powerful deterrent there, there is for saying no to temptation. Much to us, though, those of us who have seen it, is because somehow down deep, we know it's our story as well. Uh, we know that we too, uh, the Bible says that uh, we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, uh, of us all. Every one of us, we fall into temptation. Every one of us have touched the boat. Every one of us have done the, done the wrong thing. And God Almighty didn't just go to the other side of, uh, of the, the ocean. He became a human being and then died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him and we could be for, forgiven. And the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Do this as often as you drink this as remembrance of me. And I pray that as we come before, we realize what God has done to make it so that we have forgiveness. That he's gone to the end of the earth. That, he's, that, he, that no, you know, no ocean was unturned to bring us back to, to him. And some of us, he, he had to go a little bit further than others, didn't he? But he's brought us all back into a relationship. And, and we have an open communion. That means if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we, we invite you to come. But also, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you want to say, God, right now, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. God, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. God will come in and do that even as we, as we do this.